Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps, and for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search. Focus that fire. And so we come together. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on January 10th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episode is going to be focused around exploring the lore book Eva's Journey, which I misspoke on our last episode. I said Dawning Delights. I was completely wrong. That's next week. Uh, this mm-hmm. particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session of the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 And this is the bullet journaling green-eyed music lover. And last, it's but- not my best work. It's fine. <laughs> I nearly made it. <laughs> <laughs> and last, but definitely not least, in this hot seat as guest co-host, we have our good friend Saint's Workshop. Saint, how are you doing? Pretty good today so far. Yay! Nice. All right. So, usual introductory question next for you: Where can we find you out on the internet? Uh, mainly just Twitter at Saints Workshop, no uppercase and no spaces. Yep. Is it just Twitter? Or are you you're also on Discord too? Are you in any like other servers uh, or? Um, yeah, I'm I'm in the Focus Fire Chat server, and then I'm also in the Aztec Ross server. Nice. So nice, nice, nice. My questions for you is not going to be, there's going to be some traditional questions of like, how did you get into lore? But there's also going to be the questions about your prop making, because that is not a typical hobby that you see a lot of people doing. And you have some really, really well crafted pieces that I kind of want to, I want you to brag about basically. So Uh first, first question, super simple, super easy. How did you get into lore? So, in the dark age of Destiny 2, around Curse of Osiris, I was looking for a reason to stay invested. That's a and good reason. I found, <laughs> I found Bice videos on, like, the Books of Sorrow and, like, making the enemies a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. And once that I knew all the enemies had these crazy stories of that could be their own games in themselves, it definitely invested me a lot more. And then I found the story of Saint-14 through that. And I'm always a sucker for big last stand kind of stories. Okay. And then this name came about and yeah, I've been sticking with it ever since, listening to y'all's podcast and keeping up on buy videos and finding it in the game myself. Nice. Is what would you say is your favorite of the stories? You said kind of the last stand idea, but is there a is there a lore story that you're like, yes, this is my this is my jam, this is where I find my my connection to the game. So the the first one I found was Saint Fourteen, of course. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it it's kind of hard to call it my favorite lore story now after you know he's back in the game now, which first time I've had a game with a dream come true like that, right? <laughs> and then uh, I always I love the story of uh, super good advice. Mm-hmm. I found like I went back to it and read it, and I I really like the idea of a best friend gun for some reason. <laughs> There are so many. Okay, I like super good advice, but super good advice is kind of also one of those guns that you know it would have such a personality that it would be either annoying, slightly creepy, or completely not PG. Like it would just. Ah, uh, yeah, that's my head cannon for super good advice. Oh, I need to send you the the ad. Then. I think I think I got I think I got that one. 
because I, I remember like getting it. I remember, I think, yeah, is that the one that I think Wicked did? Uh huh. Yeah. Wicked okay. wrote it, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that um, it's amazing. Sa- uh, Sentinel Gray read for it. Okay. Okay. Either yeah. Sentinel or oh, um, it was so good. Or a my, flood. My thing with SGA was always like when you read about it in the lore, all I wanted was for them to put like the uh, the uh, Janet or the uh, the little smiley face icon on mm-hmm. the heads up display with it that would like be like as it got lower on ammo, it got angry. And then when you refill, when you reloaded Aww. it, it got happy again. Because the super, Aww. like super good advice in lore has a personality. It was made right. to be a companion. And so, oh my gosh, like I was like, I was like, oh, just give me. I can't remember what it what it's from. Uh, Reach or no ODST, mm-hmm. the uh, the um, city. The oh gosh, I just blinked on his the little AI. Little AI guy. I don't remember. He, but he, anyways, his his icon is always the little smiley face, and he's like the janitor. Virgil, thank you, Pens. Uh, uh, he was like that's how he interacted with people in the game was this little like smiley face, and he was like the city mm-hmm. manager AI. But that was like that. Seriously, every time someone brings up super good advice, I'm like that would have been the best heads up display thing. Is just like have it where if like it gets half clip, it starts getting like serious. A quarter of clip, it starts getting sad. And then you reload it, Aww. and it's happy again. Like, I just, oh. Superintendent, I, you thank know, you. I, oh, gosh. I want to know what the sound design for something like that would be, because you know that the the bullets, wouldn't, would they necessarily sound exactly the same at the beginning of the clip as they would at the end of the clip? Or would you oh, have yeah, the slightly like, downpitched? Like, like he's holding on to him, or it's holding on to him, like, no, I want it. I- <laughs> just give him, like, a screeching noise, like right. they got the brakes on. They have to fight to get out of the gun, because it's... And then you have was it super good advice? Darcy has a personality too. Yeah, they had a little bit. Darcy has a personality. Most of well, to be fair, most of the weapons in Destiny have base AIs and programmed into them. Um, that's actually a callback to D one. There is a jump ship that makes a comment that there's a comment about if you're without a ship AI, you can plug your rifle into it and your rifle has enough base AI to fly a ship. Um, so like most of the weapons have base AIs, but the exotic weapons tend to have like, it, it's like when you talk about like in, I'm going to def- default to halo top parlance. It's like the difference between a basic computer program and a smart or a dumb AI and a smart AI. Like as you get higher in the, the coloration rarity, uh, you get more, intelligent and more I hesitate to say sentient but more intelligent AIs until you get to like the super good advice the Darcy's um, icebreaker you know like all of those have a degree of of in not really independence but they are kind of aware ish of themselves Darcy Revoker Darcy with, like, is, the Mulligan Darcy especially is aware as same as mm-hmm. super good advice like mm-hmm. both of those there's another one that i keep forgetting um but yeah darcy's the one that we find out that the weapons actually talk to each other mm-hmm. uh, especially the exotic weapons they communicate with each other and they they actually gauge our guardians on our their effectiveness with them wow okay i'm gonna steer oh. back towards saint a little bit so you you mentioned like the super good advice story, which sent us on a on a bit of a tangent. But my question is, if you could have any AI from any franchise, any gaming franchise, any movie franchise, who would you pick to be your AI companion? Um. So to go with my lore answer, I'd say probably super good advice or. Delta from Red versus Blue. Oh my nice. god! Okay, nice. yeah. Yep. Okay, that shows the only reason I have any Halo knowledge until I listen to Pins Halo on y'all's podcast. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that's acceptable. Uh, yeah. Yeah, RVB is good. RVB is good. I I still have problems with uh, Hey Chicka Bum Bum. That was <laughs> hey, <Chicka> my <laughs> that was my message ringtone for years. Mine was but, mine was the uh, the award. I've got a purple ribbon. Oh, God. <laughs> or beep boop. Um, beep boop. <laughs> boop. See, I, I enjoy the, the don't come to anyone's doors promising cookies. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. 
Protect me, Cone. Oh, all the RVB references. Sorry. I need to go watch that again. Um, another question for you. What class is your primary class in Destiny? So I've always been Titan main. Here recently, my second character has been mainly a warlock, mainly arc web. All right. But yeah, I always play Missile Titan or Bubble Titan as my main my main squeeze. You so. know, I have to give you props for doing like the code of the missile because that is not an easy super to control because you can't see Jack. After but you, you also oh, can man. get a ton of free baby smashes and you throw on syntheseps. Right. And it's basically like having a super every like 30 seconds. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a high skill super, but you just have to adopt the play style. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Crucible is... I'm glad they've kind of semi-brought it back a little bit, because, not gonna lie, it was stupid for a while. How easily yeah. you could you could spawn camp and spawn trap people and just run to the other side of the map and s- kill them again. Yeah, with the combining, like, the, the melee ability, mm-hmm. and you just activate the super right before you hit the ground, you mm-hmm. can get so much more distance out of it. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the main problem with it, is the the fly distance doesn't feel very good okay. a lot of the times. It feels like it just dies off a little too quick, but I understand why they did it. Right. It's super gratifying when you get a kill with it in uh, Gambit, though. Oh, yes. It's oh. it's great for in those high-stakes situations where an invader can really ruin you, and then you just solo super them mm-hmm. and they get all mad. Oh, yeah. it's Those are good moments. Ah, and I actually wanted to kind of transition into what you do as far as your creation with the 3D prop stuff. And we actually kind of discussed this a little bit before the show, but how many weapons have you um, either painted or 3D printed and constructed yourself now? How many do you have in your collection? Finished, I have eight. Um, I have two or three that I got part of the way through and didn't like how they were looking. Mm Mm-hmm. And I haven't gone back to them yet. I mean, the latest one I'm working on is Perfect Paradox, and it's turned out pretty good so far. Nice. I only have two more pieces and then a lot of painting, but right. uh, I'm about to be moving, so it's going to have to be put on pause for a minute. Now, are these full-size replicas, or are you doing scaled? Um, Like the last word in Thorn I did, they're full-scale to me, but they may be a little too big. Um, I ran into that problem with a couple of them that I can hold them and they com- they're comfortable, mm-hmm. but I know I'm not an average size person. Right. <laughs> and then I also made like an Apex Legends wingman. Oh, that's cool. And it turned out too small. Okay. So, sizing varies. Right. Um, I as far as like the props that I've seen that from like different cosplayers and stuff like that, most of the weapons are a pretty good size and if you look at the bungee weapons themselves if you go to like a convention or you see them at bungee or if you get a chance to see anybody else's who's purchased them they're not tiny weapons these are way way larger than what i would consider a feasible weapon to fire and i've i mean growing up as a hunter with my family and everything like that I've held shotguns, I've held, um, not sniper rifles per se, but like, I've held rifles. rifles. Yeah, yeah, hunter rifle. It's gonna, I, I, as a 15 year old holding, uh, obviously I'm still holding a fairly small gun when it comes to, I'm not holding a 12 gauge, I'm holding more like a 20 gauge. But still, they're the weapons that you see in Destiny are so much larger than those. Yeah, so on much. The, on the last word in Thorn, I definitely leaned into the hand cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, which, because I always see them, they're like, yeah, this looks way bigger than a normal gun. So I'm, I scaled them up. Like, yeah, I went in and said 120% the size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like holding them. They feel good in my hand, but I know if I passed it off to someone, you know, smaller than me, they wouldn't have such a good time. So uh, it, it, I'm about to start doing commissions when I can, but nice. that will definitely depend on the person who's ordering it on what size i do and that kind of thing that's cool do you have any you mentioned perfect paradox you had thorn you have last word have you primarily focused on hand cannons or are you looking at doing maybe some of the rifles as well 
Um, so that's what this perfect paradox is going to do for me is kind of the test run on making bigger stuff. Okay. Because it, you know, 3D, the actual process of printing it takes kind of forever. Um, each piece for this perfect paradox and it's in about six pieces Mm -hmm. has taken about 21 hours each. Wow. So it's a lot of turning it on, making sure it starts right and then just leaving it. And then coming back and gluing it together when it's done. Right. Um, but yeah, if this turns out good, I'm definitely looking at like a, doing a couple SMGs, like the new city. I have a file for it ready. Nice. But um, hand cannons are definitely the the most bang for your buck as far as time. Mm-hmm. And plus they feel good to hold. And there's a lot of really cool Destiny hand cannons. How many you know? pieces did it take to make Thorn? Thorn, I- this one... This one was separated into seven pieces. Okay, that's not too bad. Um, the original file, the cylinder, was just smooth all the way around. Mm-hmm. So I had to get a new one, which was too small. And when I scaled it up to fit, there was about two like two inches that were, wouldn't fit. So I had to cut it in half Damn. and fit it in. That's why the cylinder looks so big in there. Right. Um, yeah, that one took about eight pieces, but it was because it was like split long ways and, you know, the width of it. Okay. I got, I'm going to do a slight intervention question. What kind of dog do you have? Uh, old English bulldog. Oh, you hear her. Is it a she or he? She. She sounds adorable. She wants to be on the podcast. What's her? She is terrible. What's her name? Um, so I gave her this name before I knew it was a traditionally male name, but I named her Luca. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, we ended up with her because this people we know, um, breeded them Mm -hmm. and accidentally backed over her when she was a little puppy. So she broke two legs and her face was messed up. And they said, if we can afford the vet bills, we can have her. And she is still terrible to this day, but can run everywhere. Yay! I like happy endings. So It was rough for about a month, and then, yeah, we can't keep her out of anything. That's kind of a good problem, and a bad problem to have with uh, any sort of pup. Yeah, the the biggest problem is that she doesn't have an off switch when it comes to eating. Yeah. We've had to take her to the vet because she nearly offed herself eating so yeah it was she's been colorful to have that's a good word for it if you could 3d print any weapon in the game right now which one would you choose like not barring like there's no skill like nothing is too big nothing is going to be too difficult to print the painting all of that would go super easy but like if you had your dream 3d print which one would it be so the first one was perfect paradox but i'm already doing it okay so the next one would probably be like a thunderlord or some destiny machine gun right or icebreaker Ooh, those are all good choices i like it. i had i had icebreaker for about two months before destiny 2 happened I loved it while I had it, even though it was nerfed, but... Mm-hmm. Best sniper. I still love the look of it. Best sniper ever. I yeah. Love, I love that sniper rifle. It's always good if it objectively breaks the game. Yeah, well, I mean, sure, but it also was just, from like a lore perspective, it was also really fun, too. Yeah, that was a little before I got too far into it, so I haven't read that one yet. <laughs> it's the gun that blows up when you fire it. <laughs> Everyone's like, don't use it, and all the Guardians are like, it does what? We need a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It's like the, what was the Sparrow? Uh, was it Timekeeper? Timekeeper, yeah. The, the, the Sparrow yeah, that can, blew up if you, you drove it too fast? You can drive fast, the- but it might explode. They have the Marcus Wren one that was in Eververse a couple seasons ago, where it's literally just an engine with two little flaps uh-huh, on the side. Uh huh. The whole car is like, you can't just ride an engine. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I die. I die. Yeah, Marcus has got a few screws loose in the head. Cool. Well, 
You said you talked about how you want to do commissions and stuff like that. Definitely let us know when you start doing that, because I'm sure that we have some listeners who would love to get their hands on some prints or just bills in general. Because I know I I actually purchased a, not from you, because I didn't know you were doing this at the time, but I purchased a trust and I got my 3D printed trust in probably 17 pieces. And it's still in about 16 pieces, so I've glued two pieces together so far, and I've sanded some of it. See, trust is like, it looks simple, but as oh, far as printing it, it's got a bunch of pieces. Oh, yeah. Especially since it breaks over. Uh-huh. Like, I did a, a Hellboy revolver, and it does that, and it was a nightmare to get that to work. I'm sure. It still ended up breaking, so I haven't fixed it yet, so. So are, like, the Destiny weapons, like, the ones you've... Like, did you start with Destiny weapons, or did you kind of have this 3D print thing, or at least a uh, figure painting done beforehand? Was that just a hobby you the, grew up doing? Oh, no. I only started 3D printing about six, seven months ago. Oh, nice. Um, I originally was big into, like, woodworking and that kind of thing. Okay. And then when I moved to where I am now, that's not an option, because I live in a really small neighborhood, and the noise would get me kicked out in a heartbeat. Oh, dang. And I looked into this through, you know, different people on Twitter who've done it and a lot better than me and found a printer in my price range. And yeah, the first one I did was a a fate bringer that looks terrible now, but at the time I thought it was really cool. Nice. I mean, you, there's always going to be the progression of getting better. So yeah, yeah. cool. Well, I am excited to have you on here because we're talking not only about like your 3D prints and the creation of the weapons and the painting of the weapons that you're doing, but we're talking about a lady who's all about fashion and, and kind of the fashionista, if you want to say, on keeping us look good in the tower this evening. So I'm going to toss the show back to Blue and let him go through any special announcements if we have any. Uh, we don't have any this week, though. I will say we are still collecting questions. If you guys have anything for uh, questions at, to ask a tax specialist, um, probably won't be able to get it out because it is in, it has now officially begun tax season for all the CPAs out there. Uh, we we stand in, in support of you because, you know, we'll get you coffee. That's That's the best I can do. Um, but we will, we will try to get those questions collected. Uh, if you do have any, please keep shooting them over. Um, other than that, I am starting to look at schedules for our next, uh, DL or destiny quarterly lore review, uh, DQLR with the lore network. Uh, so we'll be getting that hopefully ironed out here soonish. I don't know when, uh, but we will definitely uh, announce it on the show and then also over on Twitter. If you follow the lore network, it's just at the lore network over on Twitter. That's where probably the best way to get an idea of what's going on with that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's really the only special announcements that I have off the top of my head. Um, but let's just run through uh, some really quick standard housekeeping notes. Um, and then we're going to jump right back into it as far as getting kind of into an introductory session of what, exactly Eva's journey is. Last episode, we discussed timey-wimey nonsense with our friend Man-at-Arms. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to let us know by giving us a shout over on Twitter, leaving a comment on Podbean, or sending us a quick email at focusfirechat at gmail.com. Reviews or comments on where we can improve are always welcome. They let us know what we can do better to create a more enjoyable experience for everyone. To all who have already sent feedback or left us a review, thank you. As many of you are aware, Focus Fire Chat is a community in which we offer the chance to dive into lore from within various titles and mediums with a special focus on the Destiny universe. Every Friday at about 10 p.m. Central, the podcast team gets together to stream a summary of the chosen topic for that week. The hope for this is to help encourage dives into aspects of game lore within both our Discord server and within the other communities we share the digital world with. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, a central hub for content that covers a wide variety of different titles and mediums. Our full show notes for each week's topic will be posted here, so for the additional information or guest details, be sure to check the site out. Our next topic is going to be the lore book Dawning Delights. That being said, however, we still want to hear your thoughts about this week's topic. 
Be sure to weigh in over on Discord, and don't be shy in tagging any of the team in the conversation. We can't wait to read what your thoughts are. But for now, let's get back to the show. So with that being said, Green, do you want to give us a bit of uh, the cocktail knowledge, as as you like to call it, for what this particular Jeez. lore book booklet is? It lore book or lore booklet? What do you what do you guys refer to these things as? I mean, some of them are I would consider books. I think recently I would consider them more booklets because they're like nine pages mm-hmm. long That's rather than I like Maracena. Yeah, um, I'm still gonna call them books because that's <laughs> yes, how they're labeled. Yes, like book, just stop yeah. thinking. <laughs> I, I I'm just gonna keep it at book because that's how they're labeled in Ishtar Collective, and it's just easier to kind of go with what they've got going on there. Um, yeah, see, dancing, Eva, dancing Varu has that's that's my problem with it. But okay, sorry. You yes. want to call it their lore pamphlets? We're just going to yeah, yeah. mess them all up. Propaganda. Anyway, they're um, propaganda. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So, handing out to this week's grouping of propaganda, we have <laughs> Eva Levante. Yes. Eva is also known as Grandma. She is a sweet old lady who happens to be a civilian in the tower. Eva first showed up in the tower back in D1. She stood in kind of an alcove similar to where Drifter used to be. If you kind of keep D1 and D2 towers map-wise kind of similar in your head, where Drifter used to be hiding in kind of that back corner over by Ikora, Eva had her own little pocket hallway that was Mm -hmm. really great for hide and seek um kind of tucked away over by where the speaker's tower was and the thing that eva used to sell she used to sell shaders which i miss and she used to sell um emblems Mm -hmm. which was also kind of cool most of the time just blue emblems i don't think she had very many purple emblems legendaries i mean i think it was mostly speaker yeah every now and then she would pop up with one but it was very rare. It was, it was white and blue emblems primarily, or shaders, and they were basically. She was the collectible lady. Uh, at one point, and I'm trying to remember if it was 2015 or when they installed the when, iPhones. Yeah, when they well, there's the when they installed the iPhones, which that's a weird. I had forgotten about those guys. <laughs> that's a weird thing to bring back up because we don't have anything like that in D2. Uh, so for anybody who's inside your menu now. Yeah, so in D1, for anybody who hasn't played D1, at one point in the tower, instead of going to your menu and just pulling up your collections, you used to have to go to kiosk that looked like iPhones, giant screens. Like, you know, the screens that you can see outside subways going into the subway system, (laughs) if you live in that kind of area, it was those. They were interactive and you could pick up whatever items or whatever you're missing, bounties, stuff like that. Uh, beyond that, Eva, at one point, both she and Tess, yes, that Tess, don't curse, it's fine. That Tess and Eva decided to put together the first dawning. And we had Festival of the Lost. I believe Festival of the Lost was first. And they created the mask and you used to have to go to mainly Tess at that point in time to deal with the mask and the candy and stuff like that. And then Eva also had a hand with in it with the candy. That being said, we fast forward. We went through Festival of the Lost, The Dawning, and Crimson Days. Then you get to D2. And Tess magically has no hand whatsoever in any of the festivals. And it's just Eva... Because apparently Tess and Eva, in some ways, have just parted ventures. We don't know why. Maybe they had an argument. But well, they parted ways. lore-wise, they did. There's, no, they're still, they're still, as far as we can tell, friends. Eva's right next to her now, endgame. Yeah, so. it's Eva, Tess, and Amanda are all, like, really good friends. Yeah. Well, I think Eva's less necessarily a good friend and more of gets roped into some of the shenanigans <laughs> that those two do. 
Because for two older ladies, those two can get into a bit of trouble. <laughs> and they are Should manipulative. I- oh my gosh. <laughs> but that's my cocktail knowledge on it. Pretty I mean, basic. She's not the most complex character, but she's nice to have in the story, you know? Oh yeah. And she's actually got some really interesting tidbits when it comes to the story itself and Eva's journey. So Mm-hmm. The cocktail knowledge is just about Eva in general and kind of her history in game. But as we're going to see primarily in the advanced episode, Eva is very much so um, our eyes of what it's like to be a civilian who works in the tower. And not only just a civilian, but a civilian who has relationships with people that are not tower people. And you kind of get some sad moments in Eva's journey, especially early on. Beyond and with that, we need to have I'm trying to think. We have lots of quotes from Eva. She's got kind of an interesting excuse me. I mean, um, you had some really good ones. Some really happy go lucky yeah. ones. Some really some creepy ones. You know, I kinda wanna do my spin foil for this episode <laughs> because I know just wanna that break everybody just immediately. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> you see, I was happy we ended up with this topic because last week you had man at arms do the one that makes your brain hurt. <laughs> and then you had unveiling that also is that way. Right. And past few weeks, I'm like, oh, thank God. I'm not going to have to think so hard. <laughs> and then I saw you post <laughs> your theory on Twitter and it made, throws all that out the window. You so. know, I, 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 it, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I pet. It's okay. Um, so I'm going to go through some of Eva's quotes. Or actually, Saint, why don't you do us the honors of going through Eva's quotes? And if you – let's have you – I'm going to kind of highlight them for you. Let's have you read these couple here at the beginning. And then sure. we'll take a tiny break, talk about them a tiny bit, and then we'll go on. Okay, so I'm not going to do my oh-so-great old lady impersonation for y'all, because um, I definitely have one of those. I'm definitely not lying about it. You should Uh, should do it. (laughs) You don't have to do it. Okay. I I, I was lying about having one, so, I mean, I have to make it up. (laughs) Do you still think I'm sweet old Ava, who wouldn't hurt a fly? Good. You learn. Old Eva doesn't need to know everything you guardians do. It's best for all of us. Old Eva has had enough explosions in her life. Thank you very much. Traditions like this are more important ever during hard times. Slow down. Look around you. It'll remind you of what you're fighting for. And for friendships to grow, you must feed them. So, I mean, so far, not terribly, like, there's nothing really that dark in here. Well, except for the first one that sounds almost like a threat. (laughs) Do you think I'm? Do you still think I'm sweet old Eva? Wouldn't hurt a fly. Good, you learn. Well, as we see in the the book later, I mean, right? She does hurt some things, but she hurts herself more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's kind of hard to. Well, that is. Take her on her word for that. You're on. You're you. You are correct too, because there is a call out to that exact situation, in I think it's the. uh, the good, f- the last day, um, yeah. because she calls out that she doesn't even recognize herself when she, because the whole situation with the shotgun where she can reload it without even like blinking, like she mm-hmm. doesn't even think about it. She, she can load it and prepare it. And, you know, <clears throat> that's, that's actually something that she does call out quite, I think a couple times actually, uh, yeah. in that entry. D- I was just talking about how, like, when she talks about she pulls the trigger and she feels cracking. Mm-hmm. Like, That's not a good sign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she doesn't need to play with a twelve gauge. She she probably wants to go with a little bit of a lighter weapon. Especially well, since it might have been a guardian shotgun, <sighs> which I assume is much more powerful than just Joe Schmo's scout rifle you see walking around the tower. So. I mean, you, you also get the fact that she gets a gift, and this is coming in next week primarily, but she gets a gift from uh, Devram mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of an actual weapon as well. So it's 
she's not comfortable with weapons per se. Um, we'll kind of get into that a little bit more, but with these, the first couple that we've read so far, um, Eva, Eva's okay with what we're doing in the tower. She's happy that we're protecting the civilians and the city and everything like that. But we'll find out in some of the later quotes that she does actually have interest in some of the things that we're doing, but she, she doesn't need to know everything. She just, <laughs> it's just, don't I stop talking that. kind I of thing. It's, like, a healthy I don't need level to know of that. awareness. <laughs> I've lived long she, enough she, to know she that. She has a healthy level, uh, a healthy level of awareness. Yeah. Right. Know? She's not going to make herself depressed by listening to Guardian's friends dying, but she'll she'll pick up on what she needs to. And if you stand next to her in the tower long enough, she does get just like all the vendors kind of get a, not perturbed, but like a little unsure of why you're still standing there. <laughs> um, she'll mention Hawthorne's that. <laughs> you're still here. Are you, are you still here? Are you? Are, are you okay? You okay? <laughs> I'll walk by just long enough for it. Even to say, oh, your shoulders are bigger, you're stronger, and then mm-hmm. I make sure I leave before she, you know, says something that can be taken as mean. I mean, she's she's she has a slightly racy side at times. I feel like she yeah. notices the change in the guardians. Um, you will get that quote as well coming coming down the pipeline a little bit. But I think the biggest thing with Eva is the fact that she is. We talk about her experience. She has been around a long time. No, she's not necessarily a fighter. She's never been a fighter. She's more interested in fashion, which there's a quote. I don't even think I put it on here. I might go dig it out of the archives because I I collected all of her quotes. There's a quote specifically where she talks about, well, of course, the hunter is the one who's looking more fabulous today (laughs) kind of thing. And it's just like, yes. (laughs) Yes, that's in. Thank yeah, you. that's in uh, one of the books because she's like, you could tell the hunters they actually cared, <laughs> right? And then there's also the fact that um, she has a weird, not necessarily aversion to void hunters or <laughs> void users, but she thinks of them like emo children almost, <laughs> which is amusing. It's like, okay, grandma. I almost I mean, want to say okay, boomer, but it's a little too mean. Just saying. Well, it's, I mean, it also doesn't work because our guardian's like ten Way times older. as old as her. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, also the whole void things like you see it in their own void cards, like you won't understand the void till you use it, mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and she's got things for like the solar and the art classes as well, where she's talking about them. Um, I think I just laughed harder at the void emo thing because. I, That's the one I noticed the most. Uh, yeah, it's the one that stood out to me. I play Night Stalker, so does Blue. So do, uh, so does one of my other friends who will be coming on later on, down uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, <laughs> introverted slightly. Would I don't have? I mean, I do have the hair. Okay, let's move on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So, Blue, I'm going to have you read the next grouping of them. Okay. So, the looking sharp. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You're looking very sharp today, Guardian. (laughs) That's a joke, dear. I don't care if you win. I want you to enjoy yourself. All right, hang on. Let me get ready for this one. Mm Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be Festival of the Lost if we didn't lose a few more along the way. The Traveler's Light manifests in many beautiful ways. The way you use it is up to you. How can you protect humanity if you do not know what it is like to be human, to revel in simple pleasures? So I'm calling this the blue phase of Eva. It is slightly more Dionysian. that, that, That one above. For friendships to grow, you must feed them. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, and I, I'm trying to remember. I think that's a dawning quote yeah, specifically. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I just like. I just so- like. Ever since you started talking about the creepy text, first off, I referred. Yeah. I refer to Eva as Grandma Stranger Danger. Um, but like the, the ever since you said that, I'm like every time I see these now in text, I'm like ah, it only takes a little bit of tweaking of t- <laughs> chat. Inflation. No blue. No blue. <laughs> 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the problem with reading these because all of these quotes that I pulled for the show for the introduction episode are specifically from item or bounties. They're not things that she said in game. Well, I maybe the for friendships to grow, you might have heard that one, Mm -hmm. but I don't think any of these other ones are actual dialogue texts that you hear her talk about. So it's really easy to put inflections that could shift the meaning of these texts or these quotes. Yeah, the, the Festival of the Lost one, like, I understand what they were going for with it, you know, like, trying to cheer you up about, like, you know, understanding that you lose people kind right. of thing. But, yeah, it's very easy to make it sound menacing. Right, and with the context of knowing what that came from, that's from a Crucible bounty, oh. specifically for Festival of the Lost. So it makes sense in the context of what it's being used for. Yeah. Is it a little dark? Yeah. And then you get kind of in the, excuse me, the the revelry quotes. Uh, let's see here. The, How can you protect humanity if you do not know what it is like to be human, to revel in simple pleasures? I mean, oh it just my. takes this. Uh, yeah, exactly. It takes just the slightest tweak of vocal inflection, and that becomes an entirely different kind of grandmother. Um, Did your helmet stay it on? It sounds like a callous quote. Right. And the the sharp, I mean, she's kudos to the voice actress who plays Eva because she does not come across this way at all. She's not dark. She's just that sweet old grandmother who's going to hand you Werther's candies. That being said, we have a few more quotes to go through and then my spin foil. I don't think you're spending enough time outside. Take all that bottled up frustration and let it loose a little. I've walked through the guardian fire before. It didn't burn. How do you control it? I'm thankful that they haven't been near the city since I lost my dear Maria and Carlos. I wouldn't mind you teaching them a lesson. And this last quote is actually from our ghost about Eva. I can just imagine the look on her face. Everyone loves her, but she doesn't know it, which is probably the most easy summation of who Eva is. She's that very lovable character who doesn't necessarily, she's not somebody who's seeking all that attention. She's not soaking up all that attention. But when you get kind of these lines that talk about letting out some of that bottle of frustration. This was a revelry line specifically. I think it's funny she's telling us to go outside, which is yeah, I, a f- yeah. I found that a little well, funny. Well, that's because we we've been really playing in almost- the uh, Beat Saber game for too much. <laughs> well, that and just I well, think it's we- Bungie breaking forth while a tiny bit being like, "You guys know there's sunshine out there, right?" Yeah, and sometimes who- girls. You get and the boys. pinnacle weapons in the first, like, three hours or something. Send right. it right to them. But yeah, like, our Guardian spends nearly all its, all their time outside. So it confused me at first, and then I looked at the fourth wall part of it, you know. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, I think the last line, well, there's two more lines to talk about. I think the line I want to talk about real quick is the line about Maria and Carlos, which are two characters that show up a lot in dialogue. Uh, we don't have a ton of them as far as written lore, but she talks about them a lot when you're in the tower, and it's very, very easy to kind of gather that they are important people to her, possibly, um, possibly a husband being Carlos. We don't know who Maria is exactly, but we can definitely confirm that they are people who are important to her because she's, she's real sad about their deaths. And there are some more deaths coming on husband and child. Thank you, Dino. Yeah, I was about to say, we do know that Carlos, she lived with Carlos because that was called out in the journey. Right, but we don't know if Maria is actually the child or not, do we? Uh, Or is it just assumed? Not from the journey entry. I I don't know if that's somewhere else in the lore. Yeah, but before I found, you know, about, about Carlos living with her, uh, I was thinking, you know, maybe like there were two grandchildren or just children she took care of, I guess. Or yeah. then 
also the, I mean, or maybe they're just two like close friends, like humans that worked in the tower with her, maybe. But yeah, the Carlos thing, it seems more like it's a husband thing, but Maria could honestly be anything. It's just trying to get the, trying to get the context of that one. They are important people to her. Now, wasn't there at a point they mentioned like her having a daughter or something that died or that she missed? She had lost. She she lost uh, family on the way to the city. Right. Well, she also, and during the Red War, she loses. uh, essentially family member as well. Yes, her cousin and his and right. her son. Yeah, uh, that would be... Yes. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking about. On their Valentina and Louis. Yeah, that, that's why I kind of steered away from maybe their direct family. You know, because I feel like she probably would have brought them up there too, like Maria and Carlos, but... Um, I don't know. It, Carlos seems most likely a husband kind of figure. Right, and that's where I'm gathering more of that. Um, Dino is calling out that there is a line that mentions a husband and child. The only thing I would say to that is it's my prob- we ha- don't have an, a direct line well, between and my problem with the that names is that and quote, that. That quote comes from the Taken King. Uh, and so it just is my only question there is the time placement because within Eva's journey, um, she recalls Carlos with. Like, she recalls Carlos. Yeah, I think Dino's right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she recalls it as if she was sitting back in her living room in the Peregrine District. And to me, to me personally, when I read that, it sounded like it was something pretty recent. Um, so I don't well, know. Well, that's, that's a, she as, assumes it's Carlos, but it's not Carlos. Right. She, it's, but, but her, her, the way that I read that memory, um, was as if it was a recent memory. Whereas with the Festival of Lost Grimoire card, she says, my husband and child are dead, my friends, my neighbors, the children I watched over on our road to the city, all gone now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just like the timing thing was kind of, to me, was a little bit different there. That's the only thing my thought was. Yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff that made me jot down. Maybe they were just like two people she worked closely with in the tower. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, because we don't know the like living Carlos, situation. Like Carlos, I, still, I think Carlos was, if nothing else, yeah. a very, very close friend because they right. they live they live together. Um, yeah, I do. That's what I'm saying. You don't but, know the living situation mm-hmm. of the tower workers, so oh, maybe yeah, they fair. have to like bunk together that yeah. kind of thing. Well, she lives down in the districts, too. Like, she commutes up into the tower every day. But oh. I think it's just the hard thing of assigning that hard line. It's it's more of, like, this is a dotted line. This is – it's implied that this is who they are. Mm-hmm. But we don't have, like, the hard, concrete bungee saying, hey, it's a gun, Saint-14. Like, it's a, it shoots bullets. Like, it's not the, the direct confirmation of there's not going to be lore because it's a gun kind of thing, like we did in The Devil's Ruin, if you didn't follow that tangent. Yeah. But um, I think it's safe to say that there is a dotted line there to, that just isn't solid yet. Now, I'm ready. Are you guys ready? <laughs> Raise I'm, I'm going to get. I am so ready for this. Okay. So, in the midst of, it's a little bit of story time, in the midst of collecting these quotes, I sprung forth an idea, mostly just to try to poke at Twitter, but as with all crazy ideas, there are some kernels of possible truths hidden in there. And so, what is the most annoying thing to the Twitterverse and lore community? Comparing- Nezirak. A character, that too. Comparing a character to Savathun. Now, who would be the most disturbing and revealing, yet oh-so-perfect character to play a devious witch slash old woman slash manipulator? Grandma Stranger Eva. Danger. 
Grandma Stranger Danger. Oh, yes, Dino. <laughs> and I'm doing this mainly to poke at the lore community because it's hilarious to me. Not necessarily a serious thing, but there are, as with all Zavathun theories, there are kernels that you can put together to create this theory that actually kind of go there because you have the description of Zavathun in um, the conversations that she has with Eris, as well as kind of the ideas in um, when she deals with Mara and deals with everything else, you have the idea of the old woman, which is the crone, which is the grandmother figure, right? If you take the idea of the maiden, the mother and the crone, you have the crone being the manipulator. Well, who is a manipulator within the tower? But dear old Eva, who convinces Ikora mainly by badgering her, but there's also manipulation happening off to the side as far as controlling what's going on within the tower. Then you have the aspect of, hey, you should go out into the revelry. You should enjoy yourself. You should indulge. And as I posted on Twitter, why would grandmother, who says she doesn't need to know what's going on, want to know who is in charge of the Taken? I think... I personally think that as far as Zavathun theories, this actually holds weight along with a lot of other ones. As much as a sieve holds weight, this holds weight. But, you know, it's kind of a fun thing to think about. What do you guys think? See, I thought that I saw this one theory forever ago where someone said, it was like right after Forsaken. Well, once it all kicked off at the end, you know, Dreaming City and everything, that Ikora was actually killed in the Red War, and Savathun replaced her, because Ikora is the one who encouraged us to go after Aldrin. Mm-hmm. And that's what set off the whole Dreaming City thing. Right. I thought that was the most out there theory until I heard this. Well, you I saw, mean, I saw one that's exactly that same line of thought with uh, Zavala, that the Zavala that we see in the tower is not the Zavala prior to the Red War. Or you can take the fact that according to Eva's journey, I mean, we're literally talking about where Eva goes during the Red War and her return to the tower. She disappeared for quite a long time. Yeah, like, th- I'll say the the Eva one holds more water as far as what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, still doesn't make make it doesn't oh, no. make it fun to think about. Oh no, but that's any Zavathun theory. Yeah. So you're welcome, listeners who enjoy contemplating where Zavathun and who Zavathun is. I have just made your nightmares for the next week. Enjoy those cookies. Yeah. Blue. I mean, just listen. If you want to give. Rhea, I mean Eva, the grapefruit. Just just go ahead and give it to her. I mean, seriously. I don't think that woman needs to have the grapefruit, <laughs> to be honest. So that's that's chat. Chat's like, next thing you know, she's gonna be saying that Eva is actually Rhea the Coos. Hey. <laughs> the thing is, is that Eva has a way more pleasant voice than Rhea. <laughs> like, I can stand Eva. I still cannot handle, like, I refuse to go, I refuse to go on in the books, which, if you were lost, listeners, um, Rhea the Coos is from the Dark Tower series, which is one of Blue's favorites that he didn't force me to listen to, but I kind of was highly encouraged by both him well, okay. and Pins. Yeah. And then Reed, I got to the Rhea the Coos. Okay, to be clear here, uh, Green's mistake I was, working, was uh, Green's mistake was she got the audiobook trans edition. <laughs> Rhea is right. creepy in the book. Uh, Apparently they mocked that up about a hundredfold in the audiobook. Oh my god. <laughs> I had to shut it off. I could not focus on numbers. Like I was doing I was doing 401k's at the time and I could I had to stop and like breathe because I broke out in a sweat. The woman is creepy. Uh, See, I'm glad y'all went ahead and answered the question of who that was, so I didn't have to embarrass oh, myself no. trying to figure no, out who it was. Good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> it was one of the. One of the I was just, worried it was just a a deep lore character. I just no, missed no, in that's one, no. Of the, one of the big antagonists yeah. from uh, Wizarding Glass, which is the fourth yeah. book. 
Right. She turns into a snake-like creature thing. It's just she's just weird. <laughs> it's Stephen think King. The, it's Stephen King writing a dark sorcerer. Where do you think right. it's going to go? <laughs> it's it's Stephen King taking the idea of the crone and the witch mm-hmm. yeah. and like turning it up to twenty. Like, ugh. yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, Stephen King will go places that you don't think people should go. <laughs> No, I Stephen mean, King goes past that place <laughs> into the fairyland beyond it, where your eyes want to be gouged out and your ears want to be stuffed with cotton. Well, I mean, like I, someone shared with me the snippet of the ending of It Chapter Two, mm-hmm. and how they won that, and I was like, I don't think Stephen King's for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I, of any of the Stephen Kings, though. Dark Tower is probably one of the most interesting ones to get hooked onto. Like, I enjoyed, um, what is it? Blaine the Train. Pain. Blaine, <laughs> Blaine is a pain. pain. The Train. Blaine the Train. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed that book quite a bit. And I that enjoyed was, uh, the stories. I enjoyed the, I think it was the book before it when you get the stories of all the characters coming together. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really, it's a really good hook, but it is also, very Stephen King and very dark. <laughs> yeah, Wizard and of Glass moments was, yeah. make you question things. But anyway, uh, back quick, to Eva. Uh, one more thing is the uh, the comment that she made where she walked through Guardian Fire before. That actually ties into a conversation that we see in Phoenix Cradle, uh, mm-hmm. where the Sunbreakers are talking about how they need to regain their ability to allow allies to walk through their fire. <clears throat> so okay, that's does that. What's that? I thought that was pretty interesting to read. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't know that was a thing that guardians could control who it hurts. You know? Yeah. Right. Well, and I and think that's that- a nice little tie-in and lore that they actually explain why yeah. your fire team doesn't get hurt. Well, and we had that with the uh, the Sunbreakers, or not the Sunbreakers, the uh, Sunspot. No, D one uh, Sunsingers. Because that was actually the point of a Sunsinger was that it was supposed to be a support class. Um, Like when you if you had if you had someone who knew what they were doing with Sunsingers, like in raids, especially they were really helpful. Like they I mean, not just because of the resurrection trick, but also because they could buff things really well if they put the right Mm -hmm. if they had the right gear on. Um, If you had the well with touch of malice on the crota or not the crota the oryx raid mm-hmm. like it, there oh, was there was, was some amazing yeah, there were some really good combinations with sun singers um but yeah so that's where like you kind of get that that type of thing i thought that was really kind of cool too um but yeah i also do love the quote from ghost on the whole thing of just like yeah. her being her being she's so focused on making other people feel comfortable it seems that she doesn't like even and you kind of get that within journeys as well she's so focused on making sure that the things you know that the thing works that she is willing to not let go she she takes control or she takes ownership of it and when she takes ownership of it she's like no it's going to work this you know it's going to do the thing that we need it to do and and the best way to do it is this way. And she always makes sure to pay attention to everybody. And, you know, we're going to talk about that definitely probably in the next session. Oh yeah. And, and even, and we're going to talk about it as well as in the dawning, like you'll really see her interactions with the different characters Mm -hmm. in the tower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that being said, do you guys think it's a good time to just kind of wrap up real quick and do shout outs for the intro session? I'm good. Yeah, let's All do right. it. So, Saint, would you go ahead and give us some shout-outs for, for this first one? I mean, really, the only one I have is you know how Bungie posted they're going to be doing the fire relief shirts. So, yeah. I mean, through this community, I've made friends in Australia, you know. And there's nothing better you could do right now than try to help them. I mean, now I saw, um, I got the, the guy's name, but he, uh, the guy on Twitter that does the custom ghosts and stuff and draws them. Uh-huh. He's also doing a t-shirt campaign that's been going on for about a nice. week now. And just do whatever you can to help them over there because they surely need it. I mean. I can't look at Reddit when you see the videos of like a king- baby kangaroo being rescued or yeah. the koala being doused in water and given water. And they're just, 
so so many animals that are are being destroyed and so much mm-hmm. land that is being destroyed towns that are being destroyed not just the the nature and the wildlife but also just people's lives so DDU is also doing a major fundraiser that I know they've kind of teamed up with a lot of a lot of different groups to raise money to help for the the bush uh, bus fire or brush fire appeal Australian bush fire is what they're calling it. But uh, Destiny Down Under podcast has kind of spearheaded it and working with the Australian Red Cross and getting getting uh, support to where it's needed because it's not just dealing with putting the financial part, but there's also getting water to different locations and getting people um, be- sleeping bag type things or at least bedding because there's areas that are just completely devastated. So... Yeah, I saw where American firefighters just a couple days ago ended up flying there. So hopefully that helps a lot. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that's all I had. Cool. Uh, I ha- I have uh, one more so of announcement beyond the whole help out the Australian guys or help out with the raising money or if you are not inclined to donate to any causes that way and you trust Bungie, uh, the emblem that was created by the Bungie dev where the proceeds are going to head towards Australia through the Bungie foundation that is also happening. And I don't know if that campaign has started just yet, but I saw the, the proofs for the emblem that'll be coming out. That'll help be their way of raising money for them. Uh, my other shout out is more so of an announcement. I did a recording, a live recording with uh, Karma's Revenge podcast last night, a clan podcast. And we talked a little bit about lore. We talked a little bit about Crucible and just kind of got a general laughter going on. I was with uh, Zap and Josh on that podcast and go get those guys a follow at Karma's Revenge if you want to hear me talking with them about various aspects, I think we talked about trials a tiny bit as well, because trials is kind of a big thing. And I guess in their clan and whatnot, but they, they were a fun group to hang out with. So that was yesterday. And next week as a kind of a pre-show announcement, blue and I will be recording offline with salty cat a.k.a. Howard, one of the guys at the Destiny Community Artist. So look forward to that in your feeds in the future. I'm not sure when we're planning on putting that one out, but that recording will be happening soon. So if you like art and you like digital art in particular, Howard is very good at that, or Salty Cat on Twitter. We'll be doing that. Blue? Uh, in addition to Australia, the other thing I wanted to, you know, just express that we are you holding in our thoughts and, you know, for those of us who do pray to our prayers, uh, is the Ukrainian jetliner, uh, that got shot down oh, on yeah. Wednesday morning. Uh, so, you know, just take, take some time and make sure to give the, give just... those around you a hug and make sure that they know that you value them because, it's uh, it's it's not uh, not always the safest place sometimes, and so just just again, well, our thoughts go out. That to you was guys. filled with sixty four ca- Canadians, Canadians who were and a lot of well, they were Canadian students. Yep, there were Canadian yeah. students, and then also international students to a couple of the colleges in Canada as well. Um, so it, it's 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 been a it's been difficult listening to the news feeds for that particular thing, but they uh, well, they just got an update. I think about 30 minutes ago that confirmed everyone's kind of worries about how that, how that whole thing went down. Um, Uh, The world is a crazy place right now, but so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's again, just, just make sure that those around you, you know, if you have, if you're, if you have family around you, or if you have loved ones around you, just give them a hug and make sure they know that you, you love them because you never, you never know. Uh, But also, you know, just yeah i i don't really have anything you know support the support the australia uh brush fire foundation also be sure you know one of the things i was talking to my wife about this actually too was one of the things that i wanted to make sure is you know a lot of times it's really easy to donate to things during the event but don't forget that you know the time after 
is going to be mm-hmm. a time of healing and a time of need as well. So keep keep them in your prayers, keep them in your thoughts, but also be sure to keep helping even after it's no longer the popular thing to do. Uh, that's that's I really think- we do want to keep those keep those helpful helpful ways open. I think one of the things that's kind of going on in chat right now is that uh, just talking about the international tensions and I barring getting political because I'm not going to do that. But my bottom line to everything that's going on is be kind, Mm -hmm. be kind, even when you you feel like you want to lash out because somebody's wearing a particular thing or something's going on that you like just be a kind person. Um, that's just the bottom line of it. Being the person that you want others to be is goes so far into not only improving your day, but also improving the other person's day because you're showing that there is a community there, not the divisiveness that we all tend to feel right now in this kind of day and age. So step up and be the person that you want others to be. Don't be the divisive person. Be the person that's inclusive, not necessarily bringing everybody in for a big kumbaya, but don't be a jerk. If there's any time to be kind, now's the time. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. But that all being said, I just want to say thank you so very much for listening. Oh, and by the way. Really? Really? That's what you're doing? That's the that's the ending? That's what we're doing. That's our 2020 close. You no. I'm going to kill you, Pens. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.